Welcome to 20 Minutes of Purpose, a podcast designed for all women that want to live this one messy, hard, fun, challenging, and exciting life we've been given on purpose and with intention. We believe that women do that better when we are together, better when we are connected, better when we learn from each other. Each episode, you'll be hearing from Elizabeth and a guest on a variety of ways that we can be more intentional with our lives. We hope to inspire you and encourage you as we engage in 20 Minutes of Purpose. Here's your host, Elizabeth Pearson. Welcome back to 20 Minutes of Purpose. On today's episode, we're going to be picking back up our conversation with Vicki Fraker on letting go of the desired outcome. If you missed the first episode, you might want to go back and listen to that one first because we're going to jump right in where we had to cut it off. You said it. You said, I'm turning 50. That's a huge milestone. That's a marker on our timeline. I mean, it's a big deal, I think, because we probably have less time alive than we've lived. That's the truth of it. We have to acknowledge it. And so it does ask us to reassess things. Mm -hmm. By 50, you have the experience to look back on all your desired outcomes that didn't turn out anything like that. And yet all the goodness that came from those side paths, like you have the experience now to look back on that. We don't have an excuse to keep fighting and controlling and forcing because by now, We know that our ego is creating more suffering for not only us, but everyone around us. And at some point, we have to say, it's time to acknowledge this is the outcome I want. I'm very disappointed. I feel my feelings, but I have to trust that another path, another way, something else is opening up. And even though I don't understand it, I don't see it, I'm pissed off about it, I'm going to allow it to take me to wherever I'm meant to go. And it starts with the little things. Always the little things. I'm not going to learn in my most intense emotional relationships. Right. You know, for me, it starts at the checkout counter. It's the little things where there's not an emotional attachment, an interaction, mm-hmm. where I start to almost say, this shouldn't be, this isn't the way, you know, whatever the resistance is, I can feel my body contract. And it's like, oh, okay, here's a moment. Okay, I'm stuck in traffic. I'm going to be late. I don't understand this. I'm frustrated about this. But can I see that something else is being worked out that I can't see from that perspective right now? It truly is the daily little things. I think you asked me one time, like, what do you have the hardest time with? I allow rather than interfere or acceptance of what is. And I said at that time, both, (laughs) you know, both things. And I don't even like to have a failed friendship or conflict. Mm -hmm. I think the better way is the highway. You know, it's like, let's keep the highway, but yet I'm not being honest with my feelings and with that person. And I know that's something that I'm working on in the next step of allowing and accepting, knowing that I don't like conflict, knowing that I want a happy ending. It's hard for me oftentimes to share what I'm really feeling because I don't want, let's say, that person to walk away or get angry or get upset. And so then I am not speaking my truth to whomever it might be. And that also affects the connection. Oh, honey, what you said is a failed friendship. That's interesting, that terminology of failed friendship, rather than an ending of a friendship, because endings are not always failures. Yeah. 
But if we see them as that, there'll be a wounded little piece of us, I believe our little girl inside of us, fighting for something that clearly is over. And we do that at the expense of losing our self and soul in the process. Because our belief is confrontation, failures, they shouldn't happen, but they do. Night turns into day. I mean, there's endings continually around us. That's life. And so can I accept, again, here we are, in the small ways to see, oh, this friendship is moving in a different direction. While I have feelings about it, and I want to communicate honestly about how it makes me feel, I also want to let the person be and go and do whoever they need to be, even if it means the ending of our friendship. It's hard. We were together not too long ago with a group of women and sweet Cindy was there and she gave a great analogy. Mm. She said she's like a collector of friends, a collector of people. And she said she used to envision this big round table where all of her friends had a seat at the table. But then if one left, she was so upset and it was just like, wait, don't leave. I invited you to the table. Don't leave. But then she was able to work through this, the whole concept of allowing and accepting of what is. And then also as your signpost goes on, and I give thanks, but to say, There's always a seat for you there. Feel free to come and go. And just that concept of love, which true love there, which then brings me to another quote that you had in here by Naomi. How do you say it? Naomi. Naomi. Magic. Magic. Yeah. I always thought you were saying magic. Okay. But it's magic. It said, I wouldn't coax the plant if I were you. Such watchful nurturing may do it harm. Let the soil rest from so much digging and wait until it's dry before you water it. The leaf's inclined to find its own direction. Give it a chance to seek the sunlight for itself. Much growth is stunted by too careful prodding, too eager tenderness. The things we love, we have to learn to leave alone. I want to be loved like that, don't you? Yeah. So not only do we want to love others like that, but that's what we want. We want freedom. We want to be able to let the soil rest and the leaves find the sunlight on its own without being forced, coerced, or told. And that is allowance and acceptance. It seems so, in theory, so simple, but it's like, because like you said, we have at 50 years of age, we have enough experience to look back and say, oh yeah, I can see that. I mean, I was proposed to twice before, before I met David. And the thought of thinking that I would ever find the one that my soul longs for, like in David and just my best friend, I never could have imagined it there. But then just to look at the roads that led me to him all those years later, the whole idea of conflict or the hard conversations, you and I also talked about that right there is choosing discomfort over resentment. That's Brene Brown 101. We both know that when we're not honest, that we're not just hurting ourselves, we're going to hurt the relationship. Whether we are aware of it or not, we are going to resent it. That's the beautiful thing about getting older. We have this wisdom because we've had the direct experiences of these exact things many, many times over. We can't keep pretending like we don't. Yeah. If I force the plant, it is going to die. How do I know this? It happened lots of times back there. So now I'm at a crossroads where I think the plant needs to turn towards the sun. And the plant is very clear that it's finding its own way towards the sun. Mm -hmm. Can I allow it? Which means can I trust it? And if I don't trust myself, I'm not going to trust the plant. 
and what we don't trust, we control. That's 100% correct, which comes down to allowing and accepting. What I keep learning and what continues to unfold for me is that when I don't allow and accept the deepest parts of me to be who they need to be. So if I'm trying to force through criticalness or judgment to move my body, to move my spirit, to move my mind in a direction that it clearly can't go, then I am not allowing or accepting this innate wisdom inside of me to move through me. So I am not allowing myself, my heart, my spirit, my soul to be who it needs to be. I will then project that onto you and not allow you, your heart, your soul, your spirit to be who it needs to be. And so one of the things I've learned from that is the way I learn to trust my truth and trust myself is to honor what is real for me. It's not by denying what I feel, denying what's going on. That has built trust within myself because for so long I would be who you need me to be, say what you need me to say, anything to be seen, loved. It was an honest, where there's not truth, there's not trust, because you can't trust it. It's dishonest. And we only trust those things that are honest. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, and obviously, we know inside, in the stillness and the deepest part of us, when we are not speaking our truth when we're not being honest, because we can say one thing and then instantly feel that bitterness, resentment, anger, whatever it might be. We've talked about that a lot. So yeah, there is that huge correlation between trust and, and honesty. And if we can't do it with ourselves, then obviously it's, it's hard to trust and allow. Yeah, it's just a practice. It's, it really is baby steps in the small things. I laugh about it all the time. But like when I first started out on this journey, one of the things my mentor said, to me was, when you need to pee, do you let yourself? And I was like, Oh, my God, I hold it all the time. And it was like, wait, that's going to help me trust myself. And she said, Yes, because your body is asking for something. And you're denying it. The way you learn to trust yourself and trust your body is to allow it to teach you to show you to guide you what you need. And then you honor that. And so really, that does translate of when I'm in a conversation and it's uncomfortable, do I just start saying yes or agreeing to things that are not honest? We've been trained to do that. I mean, at least I was growing up. It's like, just say the right thing, say the appropriate thing. And I've started with the awareness of that. Like, am I speaking my truth? And it started with little things like at the grocery store. If I would see somebody that I know I'm not ever going to make the intention to get together with again to say, oh, it's so good to see you. Let's get together. And I thought, why am I saying that? And I thought, well, it's, it was what I was taught to say. It's the appropriate thing, the kind thing, but it wasn't true. It wasn't honest. And then it went to text or an email or Facebook. If someone is going through a hard time and I would write on there, I'm praying for you. But I didn't stop and take the time to pray for them. I'm like, I'm not going to write that. you know. So I started with the awareness and now it's the baby steps of, okay, am I going to actually say, text, write, mean what I say? And the more you practice that, the more you'll trust yourself. And the more you trust yourself, the more you will learn to trust others. So when you talk about trust and and truth and honesty and obviously starting inwards, what does the trust element have to do with allowing and accepting? So I can just tell you my experience with that. If I'm not 
honest. If I say yes, when I mean no, I'm unpredictable, meaning that I don't know what my truth is. So whenever I think I'm speaking my truth, I can't trust it. I'm so used to just being on autopilot. I can't trust that because whatever autopilot I have for that day is how I'm going to fly my plane. Yeah. And I can't trust that. So that's unpredictable. So that's unpredictable. So for me, that's how I integrate Brene's choosing discomfort over resentment. It's hard to honor our truth if we don't have a practice of regularly honoring our truth. It is difficult. But once we really understand on a deep soul level, when I don't honor my truth, I am not honoring the relationship. And it comes back to hurt the relationship. That's right. So it's obviously something that I'm working on is choosing discomfort, having the hard, difficult conversations, yeah. speaking my truth and choosing that over, like you said, when there's, you know, times have built up, yeah. then resentment is there. Absolutely. Because, you know, it's just a practice. We're going to get it right. We're going to get it wrong. It's just a practice. And so for someone that has whatever their desired outcome or their vision or dream or idea that they're pushing for and wanting and hoping for, or maybe overnight was taken away. What do you say to that person when it comes to allowing and accepting their desired outcome? I think, again, we've talked a lot today. It's about honesty. We can't pretend that we're at peace with it or allowing it if we're not. I mean, we have to be honest of I am resisting this. This is not right. This is not fair. This isn't how I thought it would be. We have to be honest with where we are. And then again, my journey is that I have to ask for help. I have to ask help from others. I have to ask help, most importantly for me, from God to say, I need you to do for me what I cannot do for me because I am in a place of resistance. And we can get stuck. I like your analogy about stuck in the mud. You want to share that? Yeah, that's actually Eckhart Tolle. But one of the things, because people do confuse allowing with giving up or quitting. Yeah. And we're taught, you know, to fight for it till the end. And one of the things Eckhart Tolle says is, if you are stuck in the mud, and if you don't accept that you're stuck in the mud, you will press on the gas, you will get pissed off, you will spin mud, you will go deeper in the mud. It's not until you accept, I am stuck in the mud, that you can have clear thinking of what would be the next right step for me to get unstuck out of the mud. So it's done in a wise mind. It's not done in resistance and then emotional mind. And we just create more stuckness. It's acknowledging that we're here so that we can get out of here. I love that you said creating more emotional stuckness. Yeah. Because I mean, I see that I've seen it myself when you just spend deeper and deeper and deeper and whatever it is. And I've seen it with others. And so I love that you use that emotional stuckness. I had not heard that before. There's a wise mind. This is DBT. It's a wise mind and it's an emotional mind. And so it's some of the work that I've had the privilege of doing with my therapist to understand and recognize when I am in a wise mind or when I'm in my emotional mind. And when I'm in my emotional mind, 
usually uh, it's going to create a lot more suffering. But that can't be confused with not allowing ourselves to feel our feelings. Yeah, that was one of the very first things I think I learned from you about allowing myself to feel the feelings, just not you know getting stuck in them or drowning in them, but just to feel them, acknowledge them, and move through them, not just run away from them. Yeah, or get carried away by them. Yes, I get swept away with my big feelings. That that is something that's easy for me to do. Mm-hmm. So as we're wrapping up our podcast, which we're so excited about, it's just 20 minutes of purpose. And it's just taking one step, one movement, one, as you said earlier, baby step forward. What would you say to the individual who's having a hard time with a desired outcome that is not how they had, you know, played it out in their mind or something that they're longing for that they realize a death of a vision, a death of a dream? What would be something that you would say would be an action step that they can take moving towards purpose in this area? Well, you know, those action steps can trip us up because we go right to the doing and not allow the being. But I can just share with you an action step that, you know, I do it all the time. I really do place my hand over my heart and I say, sweetheart, what do you most need in this moment? And sometimes, so if there is an outcome that's big or small, that is, I may need to grieve it. I may need to feel it. I may need to acknowledge it. I may need to get in the fetal position in the corner and cry about it, or I may need to call a friend and help process through, but it is taking that pause and that break and acknowledging the outcome I had wished for is not what is being presented right now. Sweetheart, what do you most need to do in this moment? What do you most need? What is the next right thing in this moment? And so it's offering myself a pause and compassion. And I always like to physically put my hand over my heart to connect myself with my heart. That has been one of the difficult challenges for me. You know, it's in this busy pace world that we live in is because constantly going, doing more activity, more busyness, more things. And to full circle that with just my second half of living and how my life is changing and my family is changing. And now that I have this stillness, the time, the opportunity, it's like, will I really take that time to take that deep breath, put my hand over my heart and say, in this moment, things look different. What do I need? What do I need today? And I hope that for those that are listening, whatever your desired outcome might or might not be or where you are, we all know that at some point in our lives, it's going to take a detour. It's not going to turn out the way that we wanted. And in that moment, we hope that you will be purposeful and do that very thing. Pause. Offer yourself compassion and take that deep breath and ask yourself what you need right now. Vicki, thank you so much for being with us today. And we look forward to having you back on many, many, many more times in the future. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for this opportunity. Before we do wrap up, I want to add one more thing. Could you tell us a little bit about Revival 356 and where you're located? Sure. It's a farm up in Ballground, Georgia. We have a little less than 30 acres, and it's really a space where we do a lot of different things. It's mainly to feed the soul through art, animals, and nature. What's your website? People that are listening want to know more about it. Sure. It's a little outdated website, but I'll (laughs) share it with you. It's revival356.com. That's okay. You're taking time for your soul that you don't have time to update the website. It's all good. It's all good. Thank you all so much. We'll see you next time. Thank you.